Broadcasting from USA Swimming's headquarters at the Carolyn Dirks Building in Colorado Springs, Colorado, it's time for Kick Set. Join three-time Olympian Elizabeth Beisel and U.S. National Team Director of Performance Matt Barbini as they host members from the USA Swimming community, ranging from age group to Olympic levels of the sport. Hello and welcome to the Kickset Podcast. I'm Matt Barbini, National Team Director of Performance at USA Swimming. And joining me as always is multi-time Olympian Elizabeth Beisel. Beisel, great to see you. Happy holidays. How are you? Happy holidays, Barbini. Welcome back from your trip. How's everybody? Baby's good. Wife is good. Everything's good. Baby's good. Wife's good. Holidays are good. How about you? Same. I was down in Florida um, for the holidays for the first time. I've always had kind of a white Christmas up in Rhode Island, but this year we kind of decided to switch it up and do a Southern and warm Christmas. And I'm kind of like, why haven't we been doing this my whole life? It was absolutely amazing. So I came back like tanned and happy and I was in the ocean every day. So yeah, I'm feeling good heading into 2022. I feel good about this. Nice. A white Christmas sounds great until you do the opposite. You're like, whoa, this is amazing. I know, like the white sand, so yeah, much better. Just white is white. Yeah, um, exactly. So I think uh, a lot of our guests to the swimming world, Basil, are probably not going to require a lot of introduction. Um, but today's guest doesn't require any introduction to anybody that watches sports. Um, so prior to Golden Goggles, we had the opportunity to uh, to sit down with legendary sportscaster Mike Tirico, uh, which is such a thrill and uh, so crazy that a guy that basically just does swimming uh, gets to ask questions to Mike Tirico slightly over my head there. But, um, you know, we could read his resume, uh, but we'd be here until New Year's Eve next year going through it all. But um, yep. in short, he's covered just about every major sporting event there is World Cup, Monday Night Football. NBA, NHL, major college football. Um, and of course, last summer, he was the main play-by-play voice for our Olympic trials and was the nightly host of NBC's Olympic coverage. Um, Basil, as somebody who's worked directly with Tariqa, can you give us a sense of how monumental a figure he is in the, in the sports casting world and what it's like to share a broadcast with him? Yeah, I couldn't have said that intro better myself. He is, he is it. He is the legend um, in the sports casting world. And you know, for me coming into my first event that I worked with him, which was Olympic trials, I had huge imposter syndrome, you know, like I've never done a meet that big. I'm still kind of like finding my way in the broadcasting world. And to be told that I'm about to call races sitting next to Mike Tirico, I was like, one of these things doesn't belong. And it's not hard to figure out which one it is. And, but, but I think my favorite thing about Mike and, and, Barbini, you and I talked about this when we spoke with him during the podcast was just how down to earth he was, how willing to learn he was. You know, he walked into a sport that he had never called ever before. And he's not doing it at a pro swim or sectionals or futures. He walked in to the beast Olympic trials and just did it with so much grace. And he was so prepared and I think that was one of the most beautiful things that I really learned from him was he was humble the entire time. He was willing to ask questions and put himself out there. And I think that's a true testament as to why he is the best broadcaster that sports broadcaster that we have probably ever seen and will see for a long time. And so, I mean, I remember even just sitting down for the podcast with him, Barbini, you and I were like, 
why are we interviewing Mike Tirico? Like, this is so backwards. You talk about imposter syndrome. It was just like through the roof. And then of course, you know, the first question he answers it and it's, you know, you'll hear as we move ahead to it here, it's just, he, his ability to contextualize sports is just in it. He's, he's such a pro. He's seen everything that he can, he can put perspective on things that in a way that, that most people can't. And uh, so we, we discussed a little bit with him, uh, his experience calling a sport that he had never had never called before. Um, and then also some of the experiences that came up during the Olympics. Um, he, he very eloquently touches on some of the more delicate topics that came up during Tokyo, including mental health and his discussion with Michael Phelps. So um, I hope everybody enjoys it. We had a blast talking to him. It was definitely a highlight of my career to this point. And uh, especially as a, uh, as a podcast host, but even as just somebody interested in sports, it was a, a, a true highlight. So um, let's give it a listen. Well, thank you, Mike, for being here. We really appreciate it, taking the time. Uh, we're all here in Miami for uh, the U.S. Swimming Golden Goggle Awards tonight, which you are uh, serving as the MC for. So. I am? <laughs> I Surprise, I was, Miami! I, I yes, thought I was here to get an award. I hope you brought a suit. Uh, um, <laughs> a swimsuit? I don't, sure, I don't look yeah. good enough. Oh, good, great to be here with everyone. Yeah, of course. Uh, can you talk a little bit about what you're excited for for tonight with, uh, with Golden Goggles? And, um... Well, I was really excited about it when I saw that, you know, the people who I got to know through the swim trials in Omaha really became the, my great connection to swimming. When I saw that Elizabeth Beisel was traveling in Europe, I said, this is great because I go to this event and not have to deal with her for an entire night. <laughs> I know, she's like, fabulous. you know what? Sign me up. Right. I'm like, oh, this, this night got so much easier than she's here. But... Um, no, it, I, I look as a observer of the Olympics from afar. Before I started working at NBC, you know, swimming was the foundation for so much of the Olympic Games. Swimming and track and field. The gymnastics is spectacular, but for me, for a lot of people growing up, uh, we all were in a pool and we all ran as kids, right? Uh, to different levels of ability. But that was the foundation. You went from the swimming, handed off to, to the gymnastics. So then when I got involved in the Olympics, in my first games for NBC was Rio in 2016, you kind of live that firsthand and you go to see it in person and you're wowed by it. And you're wowed by the connection that USA Swimming has and the generational connection. We'll talk about that a little bit later. And then being asked to work the swim trials in Omaha was a totally different experience and will forever change my impression of USA Swimming and the swimmers who make the Olympic team because it's, um, it's an incredible collection of people. It's a massive extended family with a great passion for it. So to be a part of this night at the end of the year to honor the, the best in the sport in the United States, especially uh, at the end of a, the oddest Olympic cycle that we've ever had, uh, is just a, an honor for me. It's really cool to see so many familiar faces. Yeah, I think one of the coolest things that you said when we were working at Trials, Mike, was you were offered the job to do trials and swimming. And you were like, I said yes, because it took me out of my comfort zone. And like, you're such a football guy, like NCAA, like you do all these other sports, yeah. but you had never done a swimming event nope. ever. Nope. And here Mike Tirico comes in and is like, yep, I'm gonna do the most important meet for all of these athletes and I'm gonna crush it. Like, how hard was it for you? Like, how nervous were you coming into it? What was the process like? Well, what scared me was not doing a proper job for the people who, for whom it matters the most, and that's the athletes and their families. You know, you don't need some third-rate hack off the side of the road messing up your, your moment 
at trials, right? So for me, that was, that, that was the concern. Uh, that whole, it's great to take yourself out of your familiar and challenge yourself, that's, that's such a great saying, but it's really hard to do. Like, I'm a lot better telling my kids to do it than I am actually doing it. You know, I'm, I'm in my 50s now. I'm like, I, you know, I've got this figured out. I've tried enough new things in my life, right? But within our world of broadcasting, I, I love to try new things and do new things. And this was totally new. And it only happened because Dan Hicks, who with Rowdy Gaines has done is the all-time definitive job of calling swimming. Dan was doing the U.S. Open Golf, and I do the U.S. Open Golf as well over the years at NBC and my past life at ESPN and ABC. So it was, does Danny do the trials, which is the best preparation for the Olympics, and then I do the golf, or vice versa, and we tried the vice versa, and it was fun to prepare for because I watched Dan and Rowdy from the Olympics. I watched them from trials back in 2016 just to get a sense of what it was going to be like, but yeah, the first... The first race I called was the first race at trials. Like, okay, and then here's another one really quick. Like, oh, boy, like, there's another one? Wait. <laughs> right know, now, you mean? I mean <laughs> and it's prelims, and like, I got all these people, and wait, wait, they swim multiple events, and who's in what and where, and oh my God. But that's where your color coding came into play. Yeah, I'm, I'm a. Oh my gosh, your I, notes are incredible. I'm, I'm an organizational freak. Yeah. Like, I, I need to have it color coded and printed out, otherwise, I kind of get a little scared about things. So um, it, it was it was a fun ramp up. It, you know, it's like going back to college where you just you have to cram for something. And I always say that uh, when we do a football game, that is an open book, oral three and a half hour exam. And you have no idea what the questions are gonna be. You just prepare for six days and then you get to the booth and hopefully you've got the answers somewhere in your mind or your notes from your preparation. And this was like that and it was an absolute blast. And I. I said it jokingly, but I did say this lovingly, you, along with the rest of the people who were around us, were such a big help. It was, it was like walking into Cheers every day. Like, hey, Norm! Hey. Was, <laughs> we had so much fun. I, I, haven't had, I haven't had as much fun working on something yeah. in a long time. And especially with a new group of people. It was the support team, the group of 10 of us who would meet every morning. Uh, really, like, you know, it was Cheers meets Groundhog Day. Because you get up, you get your coffee, you walk across the street, sit down. You go through the, the, the uh, events that are coming up. You go through the races that are coming up. Somebody tells a story. Somebody else tells a story. A third person tells a story. I ask a question. We're sidetracked. All right, let's get back to this next race. Wait, we just talked about this race. so yeah. And hopefully that got on the air, the, the joy that we had. And it was a lot of fun. That was awesome. So swimming, I think, is so unique compared to a football game because there's a flow to a football game that I'm yes. sure is very familiar to you at this point. Swimming has events that last anywhere from 15 minutes to 20 seconds. So that must be a challenge to sort of set the scene and set the stakes of that for you when you may have many minutes to discuss the athletes versus just a couple seconds to sort of set the, the, the situation for the viewer. It's a great observation. I think that's what I figured out in watching the past Olympics or trials, that you can't bring the same uh, expectation level to each race. Now, the producers do a great job. They'll give you a few more minutes before a 50 meter, let's say. So you have the setup time, watch this, hear it happens, and be done with it. Uh, and, you know, in the 1500, you just, you kind of lean on by, like Elizabeth. You know, you <laughs> Anything <get>. to add. <laughs> what, what are they feeling right about now? Pain. <laughs> That's pain. all you need to know. Just so much Th- pain. Thanks. This is, this, this is going to take eight more minutes. If you want to give us yeah. a little more than pain. Elaborate just a bit gonna, more, please. What, what type of pain? Take us back <laughs> to a painful moment. No. Uh, but you, you, you do have to come with different, uh, different things prepared and when to get them in. 
And even in, you know, the races that are, are, are let's say 400, you have to pace yourself and know where in the middle are you getting a little story about somebody, but not getting away from the competition. Because at the end of the day, the most important thing is what's happening in the pool. So it's kind of a, a great observation because football, you know, the play happens, the play stops, you have time to talk about the play or the players. Basketball is a foul, is a free throw, you have time to do the same. Here, you're doing that often as the action's going on and don't miss what's happening in front of you because it's very impactful for the athletes in the pool. How different is a football production meeting mm -hmm. compared to a swimming meeting? Yeah. Is it like the same preparation? Is it as long? Because our swimming production meetings would be, I mean, partly because we would just tell stories and have fun, <laughs> but they would almost be like two hours. Yeah, yeah. You, 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 can, do a, you can do a full two hour session of this. We, we, yeah. did, we, we do a lot less. Football's a much tighter ship. I think we kind okay. of just go. You don't have as much time. We don't yeah. we not have as much fun. Yeah. But there also, there also are a limited number of characters. I mean, you might see in a day with, in a day with heats and prelims, you might see 90 swimmers. Football game, you see yeah. uh, football game, you see ninety players max, and you're not spending right. time talking about the backup tackle. So you, do, I, I think it's more you do that on your on your own, and you, at the end of the process, you bring all the ideas together, and then we show the examples of how we're going to execute them. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, it is it is drastically different, and it's fun because in swimming there are there are three things that you don't have. You have multiple multiple stories in the pool all at once. You've got the make the Olympic team or win an Olympic medal, get on the podium, and you've got that clock that's sitting there that's always with, is this somewhere to put immediately in perspective with the best that's ever happened. And that, that's what actually my takeaway that was disappointing is that you don't celebrate enough how great the efforts are that you see in the pool because that world record, an American record or a meet record comes up usually in the left-hand corner of the screen during a race. And if you see, so, oh, they're a second behind that. Uh, well, wait a minute. That's like, that's about as good as anybody's ever yeah. done. Yeah. And I think we just take the standard for granted when you watch it over and over and over be pushed by great athletes. Yeah. yeah. So you had the opportunity to, to have Michael Phelps involved mm. in the broadcast this summer. And it seemed like you got to see multiple perspectives from him. So the swimmer, the analyst, the fan, and then... The mental health advocate yeah. with the with the overlap with everything that happened in Tokyo. You talk about that experience of talking to to somebody that has you know he kind of embodies swimming in the U.S. and, oh my and God. getting to work with him in, in the sport. It it was so cool, and what the advantage that I think we were able to share with everybody really turned out for me is that uh, I live in Michigan. Allison Schmidt lives in Michigan, or grew up in Michigan, Canton, Michigan, and we all know that Michael and Allison they're, they're such great friends. And through, through all of them, there's another gentleman who, who does work in the business world who's a common friend. His kids went to school with my kids, and he got to know Allison and Michael. So, long story short, that was my entree to really connecting with MP and getting to know him way before any of this happened, right? So we knew each other to begin with. Then he was at trials, and he was super fan at trials, yeah. which was so interesting, right? It, it was almost like... Who's some of the greatest athletes in the world who try to make the Olympic team? And we're all looking at the pool, and then everybody's head spins about 30 degrees to the right because Michael's walking in, you know, with, with his family, right? Like he walked in the room, and the energy of the room changes. So he's got that aura about him. But he also has a story that he gains extraordinary comfort in sharing. And his willingness to do that, I think, was a game changer for a lot of people. And certainly for me, because I've never 
sat across from someone on live TV and asked them to expose their frailties for the good of others. And you're just sitting there going, at some point, am I just asking too much, saying too much? But knowing Michael and having conversations about it, I know he wanted to share those things and he wanted to do that. So when Simone Biles went through her mental issues during the games, Michael and I spoke, we spoke at six o'clock one morning over in Tokyo, we were both getting coffee and we spoke for 10 minutes and said, are you comfortable talking about this? And I think there's a little bit of a, of a wall to come across for him as it would be for any of us. I wouldn't do it. I, I would never get to that point where he got. But I think when we explained to him that he could help so many people watching, he wants to reach people uh, through his pain and through his, uh, I guess, the, the light that he's been able to shine on his struggles with mental health so other people can find that switch for their light to shine on those issues. And when I told him, I said, look, there will be 20 million people watching. You will never reach more people at once and have more of a stage to open that door for people than right now. And there are weeks that I get stopped in the airport and people will say, hey, it was so cool that you were able to talk to Michael about all of this. So yeah. that was incredible. And then on top of that, I mean, super fan. Not, not just super fan for swimming, super fan for all the Olympic stuff. He's watching the golf and he comes down into our set hey, did you see that in the golf? Like, no, I'm hosting the Olympics. Yeah. <laughs> You're sitting in your hotel room watching. I'm actually working here. For, right. For, you know, so it, all, all of that together uh, was just so neat. And then, look, what, wouldn't it be nice to sit next to Wayne Gretzky and watch the Stanley Cup final? Wouldn't it be great to sit oh with Michael gosh. Jordan and watch yeah. the fourth quarter of Game 7 of the NBA final? I got to sit in some really comfortable chair and watch a big TV with Michael Phelps during some significant Olympic gold medal races, races that he won over and over and over. And Michael's like, ah, oh, his hips are too high. He's going to... Yeah. That gonna, last 50 wasn't good. He's done. He's done. Oh, bad turn. He's done. I'm like, I can't even see the guy. <laughs> like, like, I, I, I see a swim cap and like some feet kicking. No, he's done. <laughs> his hips are way too low. He's done. I'm like, what? <laughs> it, 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 it was like watching a computer scientist create, diagnose and explain all in three seconds. It was remarkable. Great. And he's like, wait, Mike, you don't understand? Oh my God. Yeah, <laughs> like, you didn't get what I just said. Yeah. No, you just come back to the hip set. Which part? Oh, yeah. Oh, forget I'm it. I'm, I'm not going to get it. But I think it's like a true testament to you and just your ability as a broadcaster for Michael to feel that comfortable, to maybe be that critical, and to open up about mental health stuff. Yeah. I mean, well, Trico, you're truly, and like, I've, I've worked with NBC for a summer, and everybody has said, if you need a last minute call in, like somebody gets sick and it's for a random sport, it's Mike Trico. He can do any sport on the fly. And it's just, it's really cool for me to be able to like, I know I'm gushing. All right, I'm making you gush, it's fine. Okay, we have questions from fans and they wanna know. Aubrey C asked, what is your favorite thing about swimming? The, I'm going to give you my favorite thing about USA Swimming, and it's the legacy. So what really struck me the most is how generation to generation to generation has passed on what it means to be a part of USA Swimming. And I think you see that even at 
the younger levels. They, there's an understanding of, we've set this standard, we want you to experience what the standard is, and if you are going to be on multiple teams, we want you to pass it on to the next generation. I think it's been built by the individuals and now passed on almost as a larger-than-life collective. To me, in terms of USA Swimming, that's the coolest thing that I got to see that I eh, maybe acknowledged but didn't recognize and now appreciate. Yeah. Just like I appreciated all the people in the lobby at the hotel in Omaha who would like be at the head of the line and get us drinks. Like, hey, you're part of the group. I'll get you a beer. Yeah. Like, oh, great, good. We're in. We're in. You are part of the group now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're in the swimming world now, too. I, 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 I think it was, it was the beer, but yeah. But yeah. no, that, so that, that's it. That's <laughs> yeah. in, individual sport that has a collective power. Yeah. That would be the short answer I should have given and move on to the next Well, question. that's okay. Next Sorry. question. Thank Sarah you. Y. What is your favorite swimming event to call? Well, I, I've... The 1500. I've, Don't jump uh, so quick. That's, <laughs> that's a very close third. Um, yeah, the 50, because it is almost like calling a horse race, and you really need to have eyes everywhere, and you need to be able to look at the monitor and see it, and then be able to look at the pool as well, because you can see people gaining and momentum building in the different ways, and it's, it's very funny, your eyes, you have to be very, very, very prepared not to have your eyes tell you what's happening because you can get locked in on somebody and think mm -hmm. they're going to win and you're not having the bigger view so you've got to keep a broad focus that was fun like i'd like to go back and call more 50s yeah one because they're done quick but two <laughs> two because right. because there's there's a pressure on you too not to screw it up and i love right. that right that was my fun yeah the stakes for you did such a great job i didn't get to watch it on tv but the stakes in that uh in simone's 50 final oh, um, at trials and you had less than 25 seconds to get through yeah. setting that state, those stakes. And when the race started, you said something to the effect of she needs to be first or second here or her Olympic dream is over. And it's just like that perfectly encapsulates that. Um, and I, when I went back and watched some of the races on TV, I was really struck by um, setting those stakes is so high. So I, I could tell that the 50 was sort of something that, you, that kind of grabbed you. Well, add to that the pressure that was on her. Oh, yeah. And, and how much everybody felt it. And then speaking with her agent offline, understanding what was going on and how do we delicately address that, but also celebrate her. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we're, we are talking to somebody who's trying to make a second Olympic team who did a remarkable, had a remarkable accomplishment in Rio. And if she doesn't succeed here, let's celebrate that at the same time. And it's that fine line that um, I, I know I was emotionally involved in that. I think that's, that's yeah. the joy of the swimming to me is that because the athletes are so close to you and so young, relatively speaking, right? And they're just kind of out there with no, no coach getting in the pool with them. Nobody's calling plays. Nobody's telling them to play in their huddle. It's just you and your small little swimsuit on the block and in the water. And man, that's pressure. That is such pressure. And to just see that and be really close to it, I, I got caught up in a lot of that. Well, Mike, we could talk to you all day. Thank you so much for coming on with us. We're so happy you're in our swimming family. Uh, I, am, I am thrilled to be here. And I do have to say that a lot of the folks who have kind of seen along the way have been so nice and so helpful and so welcoming, which is 
beyond appreciated by me, but most importantly, the USA Swimming people. I mean, I, I felt like I walked in and was taken in by this family. We've got you. You'll be okay. Don't worry about it. And they couldn't have been more true. And that's why I'm excited to be here tonight and honored to be here tonight. And it's great to see both of you and happy holidays. Okay. Thanks, Mike. Thank Appreciate you. It. Thank you. Well, thanks to Mike Tarico for taking a few minutes to sit down with us. Um, that was an incredibly enlightening conversation. And uh, I think that that added to my own appreciation for trials and, and the way I look back at that meet, uh, just hearing his experience there. Uh, you know, calling that meet as your first swim meet is just, as Basil mentioned in the intro, is just such a monumental task. I, I do this for a living. It's my job to know all the relevant players. Um, and even I go into every trials knowing that somebody's going to make the team that I've probably never heard of or don't know very much about. Um, so to go into that, um, to broadcast it to the world for passionate sports or swimming fans, people's families, uh, people connected to the athletes, their teammates, um, and then just the casual fan um, on top of that, to try to make that an enjoyable experience um, for everybody uh, is just an incredible feat um, and something that I find incredibly amazing as someone who doesn't do this for a living. So, Basil, what do you what do you have to add to that? Oh, I totally agree with all of that. And I think one thing that people need to realize is that, to your point, Barbini, Mike Tirico is catering to many different audiences, especially with swimming. You know, we're talking about a sport that people watch once every four years. And that's the majority of people. Obviously, us being in the swimming world, like we know every pro swim, we know exactly what's happening all times of the year, every day almost. And so he needs to cater to the families at home that are watching that have children racing in that meet who are huge swim fans. But he also has to cater to the people that turn this on once every four years and don't really know what a streamline is, don't know what breathing every three is or the importance of a good start in a 50 freestyle, like all of these things he had to tackle blindly almost like with no experience. And, you know, when he talks about in the podcast, just how, like how much he loves, loves USA swimming and how he felt so welcomed, you know, that's again, a testament to him. And, you know, he did us such an amazing service and he did such a great job at trials. I think all of us we're like, Mike, come back. We, we like, you're part of this family now. Don't go anywhere. Sorry. You're here to stay. You're stuck with us. So I think, you know, working with him was probably one of the top moments of my 2021, like recapping it now heading into 2022. I mean, what do you have top moments? What, what are they Barbini? Tell I mean, the people 20, what they want to hear. Tell the people. We're going to give the people what they want, which is our highlights yeah. of 2021. I mean, you think about the, the year as a whole, and it was such a challenge. Like The swimming season started with this incredibly, at least at the national team level, with this incredibly odd sec, set of pro swim series meets where we went to San Antonio twice in a row, and everybody's in masks the entire time, and we're trying to sanitize the blocks between heats, and people are trying to stay apart from each other. There's no fans. Um, we're, we're kind of trying to create a little bit of a bubble at this hotel. Um, but we're swimming, we're there, we're actually at a pool. And I remember that when we got there the first time, just, you know, it seems very odd until the swim meet starts. And then the first event starts and you like, okay, now we're, we actually are able to get people in the water. And I think for me, that's, you know, thinking about trials, trials is my favorite meet in the world, even more so than the Olympics. It's, I, I think it's the most fun swimming event there is. Uh, but there was a lot of tension, at least from, from my perspective, going into that meet. 
uh, and not just the tension of who's going to make the team or how are we going to perform in Tokyo? It's, are we going to get this done? Are we going to get to actually having the meet itself? Because people come in, everybody has to be tested. There's always this anxiety that if we have an outbreak, this isn't actually going to happen. And I don't think I've ever been more excited for a prelim 400 IM than I was at the, the beginning of trial. Same, as soon as, Barbini, we had people, same. <laughs> as soon as we had people hit the water, it was like, man, we, we made it at least to this point, we've got to make it through eight more days, but we made it. And so I think my highlight is that trials happened and that the games happened. We were able to get through a six week journey from the, you know, when people arrived in Omaha to the end of Tokyo, and that's a monumental accomplishment. We had zero positive tests in athletes that were associated with the U.S. swimming Olympic team. That's something we're incredibly proud of and, and, and is like a highlight that I'll remember from this year forever. Um, how about you? What's a, what's another highlight for you or a swimming related highlight that it's tough to go behind you, you know, like, (laughs) because I agree with everything, of course, but I think, you know, one highlight that I really enjoyed was kind of seeing everything through a different lens. I wasn't an athlete this time, but knowing the amount of work that USA swimming put in to ensure that every single athlete had an opportunity to compete at trials And then the logistics that go into getting an athlete from trials to the Olympic games, like that is something Barbini that you and I need to just dive into our own podcast about, because it's a lot in a normal year without COVID. Like I, I truly cannot understand and wrap my head around the hotels, the flights, booking the pool. I mean, getting like aerators to make sure the water isn't hot enough. Like there's so many things that are being juggled around and then you throw COVID into it in a pandemic and the possibility of the Olympics still not happening. I mean, I felt like I was holding my breath at trials and then I took another deep breath at the Olympics because I was like, oh my gosh, is this going to happen? My heart goes out to the athletes, but also all the USA swimming staff and everybody that came together to make that happen. And maybe that is a podcast, you know, subject that we cover later on, just letting people into the inside of what actually happens once an Olympic team is named and where you go from there. But I, I, and then on top of that, like, of course the swimming, you know, I love to see, we were talking about it earlier, a Jake Mitchell time trial. Are you kidding me? Like (laughs) that is just phenomenal. So much fun. That's what this sport is all about. And seeing the newcomers like Lydia Jacoby make it the Katie Grimes, like all of these young people that are now, the future of USA swimming flourish and do well under the highest pressure meet possible. Um, it's just those stories that, you know, you can't help, but love so much. The Jake Mitchell thing is such a good example because the way I've described it is that everything else that happened at trials this time has happened before you know, for the most part, it's like you have the first and second place person makes the Olympic team one through five or six, make the Olympic team in the hundred free. We have never been in this situation before. It has never been done. Nobody has had to do that before. And I've I've described it to people that I've asked as like, I would have until he did it said it was impossible to go get the FINA A cut in a time trial in a half empty building at the end of the session with absolutely nobody else in the pool and all the pressure in the world on you. Like how many attempts can you make at a full go 400 before you're not going to get a little bit faster? And so I think it was kind of everyone, at least up where we were towards the top of the building was still sort of working. We're finishing up the session and he comes out and it's just this bizarre image of one chair behind one block in this huge building. Um, and everyone sort of stops and it's, you know, we're kind of watching, like, 
I, I will be totally honest. Like I, I thought it was not hard. I thought it was impossible. And yeah. he, he comes out and his Michigan teammates and his Carmel teammates are both at the, the sides of the pool and he's like pumping them up. And that was sort of what it was like, Ooh, like he's not this scared. Guy wants it. Yeah, he's he's not scared. This. He's got yeah. this moment. And you know, like, there is such a part of working at USA swimming, especially in the Olympic world where it's, it's objectivity in Olympic trials world. I mean, like we have to, we don't root for anybody to make the Olympic team and we don't root against anybody to make the Olympic team. And I think most people in the building do have sort of individual rooting interests. And the only thing that everybody could agree on that entire week was that we really wanted Jake Mitchell to get that hay cut. That was and all we all, wanted. All objectivity went completely out the window. I mean, we're up in the, in the press box where we filmed all the races from just screaming our heads off like, We've yeah. like just fanboys up there, like completely lost all our cool entirely. Oh and, my gosh. And I mean, every trials, like I said, is really fun to begin with, but that is a moment that I, that I won't ever forget. And is definitely a highlight. And it's like, I obviously hope yeah. that we get two A cuts out of the individual races from For now sure. on and not in this situation again, but it was such a, such a cool moment. Um, how about looking forward? What are you, what are you looking forward to in 2022? What's on your new year's wish list? Well, I'm excited that it's like a big year of racing. I feel like we're slowly but surely getting back to normalcy. Um, I think it's a, obviously it's a shortened quad. So I'm kind of excited to see the people that decide to hang around um, and go for Paris, you know, like the Willacones of the world. Like that's a, that's a guy that I am cheering for 110% of the way. And I shouldn't be saying this because I'm in the media world, but like Marvini was saying, sometimes you're just partial to somebody and Will Cohen is one of those dudes. Um, but I, I'm just like so excited to, you know, see the Nick Finks of the world. You know, he's training at Georgia and doing his thing and it's so different, but it's obviously working, you know, looking at his short course world's results. And I think it's those stories that I'm really excited to watch, not just over the next year, but over this shortened quad. Um, But other than that, you know, just hoping that the world can continue to slightly get back to normal. I think that's just, that goes without saying, you know, we kind of all hope and want that. Um, While just personally staying healthy and enjoying the sport of swimming. And I, you know, how lucky am I that I get to talk about swimming with you, Barbini, once a month, you know, like that swimming is what, has brought us all here. It's why people are listening to this podcast. And if we can make some more people happy in 2022 by just talking to really amazing people that are tied to this sport, sign me up like that, then we're doing our job right. And that's, I think that's kind of in a, in a quick recap, what I'm looking forward to for next year. How about you? Tell us. It is, this year is so unique and I'm, fascinated you know one of the strengths or probably the biggest strength of usa swimming is the how diverse and how um open our system is so there's not one way to do it our national team is spread out over dozens of programs each of which has their own approach has their own strategy um and i think they have a lot in common in terms of how you would approach a season that has a normal June trials, July worlds. I am fascinated to see how our best coaches and athletes will approach an April trials and a May worlds. Um, And how does that manifest itself? You know, do we have people that 
How does that impact the NCAA season? How does that impact our August nationals? Um, how does that impact our performance at Worlds? It's just something we haven't seen before. Um, and we have so much faith and trust in our athletes and coaches. And obviously we're here to support them in any way we can. But I think, you know, they always rise to the challenge and they always surprise us in coming up with creative ways to attack problems like that. So I'm really, really excited about that. Obviously all of that and anything swimming related comes secondary to being able to host this wonderful podcast with you yeah. once a month. That's, that's clearly the big highlight coming of 2022. Um, but that, that, that's really exciting to me to watch how people will approach that. Um, we have athletes here at the Olympic Training Center for the first time um, in a while right now. And it's That's just, awesome. it's crazy to go to the pool and be like, man, we haven't done this in two years. The last time these groups were here was December of 2019. And it's, it's such a part of our holiday ritual here that we have these, these major programs come up and train and it's great to have them back. So I hope that we can keep kind of getting back to some of that stuff. Um, Basil, do you have anything to add before we, before we sign off? Yeah, I want to add, um, I, I want to give a big thank you to you, Barbini, um, for Kyle, for producing this and editing us and making us sound really <laughs> great. And then also the USA Swimming Foundation, because they support the athletes and the people that we are talking about on this podcast. And if you are drawn to that and that resonates with you, you can head to usaswimming.org slash donate. And all of that money either goes to saving lives or building champions and to learn to swim programs that maybe like they did for me, will turn somebody into an Olympian. And it also supports those Olympians because, you know, as swimmers, I feel like a very common misconception, at least in the world outside of the swimming bubble is, oh, you're an Olympian. Like you must be super rich and doing really well. And it's like, quite the opposite actually <laughs> um we are supported and we're so lucky that we have the support of the usa swimming foundation but that is the only way that our athletes are able to thrive and be able to afford rent and training tools and food like simple things that are almost like expected for you to have if you're an olympic athlete but they're not so a big thank you to the foundation again if you feel like it, please head to usaswimming.org slash donate and, you know, help out our national team athletes and help somebody have the life-saving skill of knowing how to swim. It's a great way to go. That's a great way to close out 2021, Basel. Appreciate you and look forward to more of these great conversations starting I'll in January. I'll see you next year, Barbini. We'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye, guys. Thank you for listening to KickSet with USA Swimming. Head to usaswimming.org for more episodes and make sure you subscribe to KickSet wherever you get your podcasts.